Well, hello, everybody, to another King and Servant podcast. This is now show number 32. And for those who actually still subscribe to the podcast, you might be somewhat astonished that I've actually uploaded another show. I believe, actually, there's been an interval of over a year since my last show. And that's because a lot of significant things have taken place in my life during that time. Um, first and foremost, and most primarily, I got married. And secondly, I found a new job. And then thirdly, I moved. And then I moved again. So there's been a lot of significant things taking place in my life over the last couple of years that have really uh, legitimately um, taken my time and uh, have uh, given me uh, different types of things to preoccupy my Christian life with. But eventually, and alas, we are now in a position where I can return to the studio and begin some recordings again. I know back in the day, and when I say back in the day, I'm talking about a year and a half ago, or maybe two years ago now, I would make a lot of predictions about what we were going to do with the show. And um, all those ended up being duds because, as you know, it went dormant for over a year. So I'm not going to do that again. I'm not going to make any predictions about what the show is going to be. Um, I'm not going to even talk about what I anticipate will take place. I'm just going to simply allow God to be God and to take this a week at a time, a month at a time, and see if the Lord is pleased to use it. Because to tell you the truth, there's another uh, reason that, um, not that I was reluctant to continue with the show, but uh, another reason why it it took um, more prayer and consideration to uh, to pick it back up again. And that is, in the podcast world, there's two things going on, as I observe. There's plenty of good resources out there where you can get the best and the latest teachings on the scriptures. And people who listen to this poison all those shows just as well as I do. Um, so the good stuff's already out there. And sometimes I feel, well, maybe my contribution might be a bit redundant. And there's other things I could be doing for the kingdom uh, besides this, if, if it's already been taken care of by other men. And then secondly, and this is more of a negative note, I've noticed that there's a lot of unnecessary controversy, as we say it in the British tongue, controversy, uh, when it comes to webcasting and podcasting. Uh, the Bible talks about the tongue uh, being a small member, but what a great fire it can kindle. And um, I'm not calling any names there by any means, but there is uh, a certain uh, a certain propensity by some to use the microphone uh, for controversy as an end in itself. And that's not what we want to do here at all. And that's why I want to stick purely to the scriptures. And some of you might go, well, you know, I prefer if you talk about your private life and all that stuff. And that's got its place in certain radio shows. It certainly does. But for me, in my little corner of contribution to the web world when it comes to uh, podcasting, I just want to talk about scriptures. And I want to talk about um, the immediate relevancy of New Testament truth to the believer. So that's where I pick king and servant back up again. And I thought the teaching I would bring to you uh, on this particular show is um, different to what most people are outputting when it comes to podcasting and webcasting. And that is, I want to talk about the very plain vanilla issue by many perspectives or many judgments, the very plain issue of contentment. 
And you say, well, that's not an exciting way to kick off the podcast again, to talk about contentment. But it's something that the Lord has really drummed into me these past couple of years. And he's really shown me the, um, the many holes in my soul that are being plugged by things outside of the sphere and scope of godly contentment. And what I mean by that, we live in a culture and we live in a day that's not only obsessed with progress, but we're more obsessed with results and that we have to achieve and we have to have assets acquired to our lives whereby we can show our progress and what we have um, to our name. And I'm not saying those things are automatically wrong or sinister or ungodly. Uh, the Bible calls us, excuse me, to take dominion. The Bible calls us to preach the word, to share the word. We're called to do all those things. But I think the challenge that the Lord has placed on my heart, and I'm hoping that the listener now also is stirred by the Spirit to consider the same truths, and that is we should be more preoccupied with contentment than achievement, even if the achievement that we're talking about or even boasting about is under the banner of ministry. Because we can live our lives with this great produce of output, whether it's communication ministry, teaching ministry, even mercy ministry. Um, but at times, a lot of it can be symptomatic of self-affirmation and actually lacking the biblical um, spiritual health of contentment that the Bible describes as being of great gain. And that's where I would like to begin uh, this particular study, or this devotion, if you will, uh, for this show. If you have your Bibles, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, we read the following. It says, Now there is great gain in godliness with contentment, for we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we shall be content. And then it goes on to say, But for those who desire to be rich, fall into temptation, into the snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. And then it goes on to talk about how the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Now, I'm not against capitalism. I'm not against monetary gain. I'm not against uh, acquiring personal assets to your life, not by any stretch of the imagination. The Bible says we have to take dominion and to be fruitful. But there was a fall whereby our affections are now warped and perverted by the things of this world and the things of the flesh and the things of Satan. And as a consequence, sometimes we build the exterior without taking care of the interior, without taking care of those things that are primarily vertical in nature. And what I mean by that is our direct relationship to God through Christ. And there's many gifted of businessmen who are even Christian. There are many gifted preachers and Bible teachers that I think are not prioritizing this contentment in their lives. And even in my own life, I've seen these patterns of behavior pop up that has caused me to think afresh about this truth. Because according to the scriptures here, it says godliness, which is righteous living, to be like God, with contentment and to find fulfillment in that righteous living 
is of great gain, and then it's put in antithesis to the pursuit of riches and worldly pleasures. So you see here from the text that the doorway to fulfillment is actually to bypass, to let go of some of those worldly ambitions and to find solitude and fulfillment in a God who loves you and who has saved you from your sins. And from that hope, if you will, from that fountainhead should flow all the good works that God has called us to. But if it doesn't flow from that fountainhead, my suspicion would be that there's some of the motivation that is polluting your works onto the Lord. So it matters because if I care about you, the listener, if I care about myself as a Christian man, when we get to that final day of judgment, which the Bible speaks about in Corinthians when it's referred to as the beamer seat of Christ, the judgment seat of Christ, it says our works will be tried by fire. And I don't want mine to be going up in a puff of smoke with hair and stubble. But rather, I want it to be, as the Bible says then, Corinthians, for it to be uh, bringing forth precious stones and treasures that are everlasting in nature. And it doesn't come in the shapes and sizes that we typically think of because we've been so infiltrated by this culture to think of success in a certain way that we have to have so many possessions in our life. We have to be successful by a certain age. Sometimes I think that Midlife, midlife crises are coming earlier and earlier these days. You can have somebody who's 30 who says to themselves, even as a Christian, well, by 30, I thought I would have had this in my life, a, a, a nicer house, a nicer car, or maybe something more godly. I thought I would have had a bigger ministry by now. I thought my influence and my impact would have been greater by now because I know that I'm called. Or maybe you get to 40 and you say to yourself, Man, I just feel that there's so much of my youthful energy being zapped from me in these uh, harder days of labor and toil and financial crisis that I just miss the old days when I didn't have that responsibility on my shoulders, when I didn't feel weighed down by the things that bind me and tie me. And sometimes there are things that bind and tie that we should loose ourselves from. It's called sin, where to be unfettered and unshackled from the strength and power of sin in our lives. But there's some things God has placed upon our shoulders that is supposed to be of a certain weight in order to build spiritual character and following that after the righteous and the godliness that is brought about through you to bring about the lasting fruit of fulfillment and contentment in Christ. And I fear that if we get this essential issue right, it's actually going to lead to happiness. Because the Bible says in James, talking about the similar theme here in the opening chapter of James, it says, Count it all joy, my brothers, reading from verse 2, when you meet trials of various kind. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So by taking that way, by taking that responsibility, and by remaining faithful to the Lord, it says, don't get frustrated and disheartened to the point of giving up. Because if you persevere in faithfulness, it says it will have its perfect work with the end result of contentment, or described here as lacking nothing. That you won't have to achieve something to prove something to somebody. You won't have to 
be somewhere or be somebody to affirm yourself in something. You'll just have this deep-rooted contentment and, as a result, happiness in God. And yes, you still can have those aspirations and dreams and goals and targets. That's, that's all fine and well. But the Bible says again in James that uh, if you say in your heart, tomorrow or the next day we will go into a certain town and make such a profit, and you bypass the will of God, you are actually committing sin. But rather, you're to say, if the Lord wills for us to do this or that, we shall do it. So not enough people today are taking that first reference point to the Lord and his will. But rather, it's our will, and we just try and mash uh, God's will into it at times. That we take his general precepts or his broadest commandments and try and fit it into the, um, into the, the rubric of our own self-determination. And that's not what the Bible is talking about when it speaks about our contentment in him. It's by seeing his greatness, his worth, his value, his love for you in Christ, where you can say gladly and cheerfully, I don't need these things in my life to be happy. I'm happy because I'm close to God. My relationship with God is as it should be. That's the key to happiness. And it says, furthermore, in James, in uh, verse 12 of chapter 1, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he shall receive a crown of life. I think even an unbeliever would say, that sounds good, a crown of life. But certainly for the believer, which is the majority of the audience here, would definitely want that crown of life. And there's nothing in James about achieving great things, having an, even an impact in ministry that affects thousands. Now, God can use you that way, but chances are if God's going to use it that way. Look at Apostle Paul. Look what he had to go through. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians that uh, he was humbled by the Lord through an angel of Satan that was sent to buffet him so that he wouldn't boast in the abundance of the revelation that he see received. So we're just living in a culture where we dupe ourselves, we deceive ourselves into thinking, well, surely God will allow me to have it all. The finances, the family, the ministry, you name it, the business, and it has to come fast. It has to be, watch out, this man is hot stuff. This guy is in town and he's kicking butt and taking numbers. But that's not what you find in the pages of scriptures at all when it comes to true Christian spirituality. And furthermore, it talks about the folly of the pursuit of riches. It says in verse 9 of James, Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass. Uh, its flower falls and it be its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. So those men of the world who are in the process of building and progressing in the things of the world are one day going to be cut off. And they probably won't even see it coming. They might be at the very uh, verge of 
the biggest deal of their lives and they won't even have time to enjoy because at that moment, at the apex of their own achievements, the Lord says here that they could perish in the midst of it. So we don't want that. We want only what the Bible teaches. And then finally, and in conclusion, if you go to Philippians, Philippians is known as the epistle of joy. And there, Peter, sorry, Paul, was in imprisonment and he speaks of his contentment and his happiness in Christ. In chapter 4, it says, um, I'll read from uh, verse, uh, let's see, verse 4. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. That means he's near. That's what's important, not anything else. Do not be anxious about anything, but in prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your request known unto God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's anything of excellence, if there's anything of worth or praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and God's peace will be with you. What's more important? Achievement of God's peace. And furthermore, I rejoice in the Lord greatly now at length that you have revived your concern for me. You have indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Now that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am in to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. And in every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So here have a man imprisoned for the gospel, and he's, he's saying basically, I have learned through my Christian sanctification how to stand on the mountaintops and how to go through the valley. And I think in his experience, there was more valleys than mountaintops. But when God gave him a mountaintop, he more made up for the valleys. Seeing the third heaven must have been quite spectacular. But the valleys were manifold in Paul's life as he sought to serve the Lord. And I think also for the true saint who's really seeking the kingdom, we should expect not to the same intensity, but certainly of the same kind of um, valleys and difficulties and struggles in our lives. But in the midst of that, to find God, to find Christ, to rejoice in these various temptations and trials that we go through. And I think if we get that, we're not going to get to that point of our lives of crisis where we're middle-aged, if you will, and we're just saying to ourselves, I'm just unhappy. I think there's going to be a lot of middle-aged folks in this culture really unhappy because they were sold a bill of goods of how special they were. And the Lord, in his goodness, believe it or not, arrests them in their selfish ambition. He says, no, that's not what I have for you. I have this for you. And in the flesh, we can turn around and say, what? That for me? That for me as a special person? But the Lord says, no, because Christ is special and he's loved you through Christ. He's got something that is far surpassing of that of worldly accomplishments. And again, I'm not here to, to really 
renounce worldly accomplishments if they're done to the glory of God because it says, yeah, I know how to abound. If God pours blessings into your life, take them. If God gives you great success in business, rejoice. But don't find the substance of your spirituality in those accomplishments, but rather to find godliness and contentment because in there you'll find Christ and you'll find a crown of life that will never fade away. So I think I'll conclude it on that. Um, We'll see what the Lord might bring next time. I'm not sure when the next time will be exactly. But in the meantime, I pray that the Lord will continue to bless you and to sanctify you in these things as he continues to deal with me as well, to bring us closer to the kingdom and to make us more like Christ. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.